Hey, daters. Are you sick of small talk and no date being planned? Well, I'm excited to introduce you to First Rounds on Me, a revolutionary dating app designed for modern singles who are fed up with the frustrations of today's dating scene. The app is all about actually helping you plan dates and build genuine connections. How so? Well, the only way you match with someone is by planning a date. Send a date, a time, and a location, and then the rest is up to you. Ready to go on real dates? You can get one free month of their premium subscription with code DOCTOR, D-O-C-T-O-R. Download First Rounds on Me using the link in the show notes and start building meaningful connections offline. Hello and welcome to Reimagining Love. I'm Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Relationships have the power to wound us and the power to heal us. As a clinical psychologist, author, and professor at Northwestern University, I've devoted my life to studying intimate partnerships and family dynamics. On Reimagining Love, I'm here to translate complex clinical topics into tools and takeaways that you can use in your relationships today. If you're ready to develop relational self-awareness and create vibrant and loving relationships with the people who matter most to you, you've come to the right place. I'm so glad that you're here. Well, I am beyond excited to share today's Love Stories episode with you. You are about to meet one of the most important people in my life, my lifelong best friend, Allie. As you'll hear, Allie and I met on the first day of fifth grade, and we have been central figures in each other's lives ever since. In this episode, we share the story of our relationship and we explore our understanding of what has kept us together for four decades. It is our hope that sharing our story with you is going to offer you the opportunity to reflect on friendship and the people who mean the world to you. You know, of all relationships, friendship is the most, you know, at will arrangement. So it feels vital to explore how relational self-awareness helps us build and nurture friendships that help us feel safe, seen, and secure. I know that my friendship with Allie helps me show up more deeply and fully as a mother, a wife, a therapist, a teacher, etc. And I know that's the power of friendship to provide a mutual space of nurturing and witnessing as we grow and change. So I hope that hearing the story of Allie and Allie will support and serve you well. Hi, Al. Hi, Al. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of can't believe that we're doing this. Like you're here in Chicago with me and we're sitting here together in a podcast studio and I'm about to introduce you to the Reimagining Love audience. Yes, I know. I can't, I can't believe it and I can believe it and I'm nervous. So (laughs) I got you. I know, I know you do. I know you do. Right. Like Mm. of all the contexts and settings we've been in, we've not, you know, we've not ever done something like this before, right? We've done a lot of stuff together over a lot of years and we've not ever done this. I love you for being a yes to this because I know that, um, I know that your yes to this is from love. Well, of course. Yeah. I wouldn't (laughs) miss it for the world. 
Okay, so you you have been one of the most important people in my entire world for 40 years. And our job, like uh, my intention for this time together is for us to reflect on that together, like who we've been to each other over 40 years, and to just trust that in this conversation, there are there are going to just be facets that that stand out to people who listen and uh, and that really it's like a way of honoring really like who you've been to me and and what we have grown and nurtured over four fucking decades. Oh God, we're that old. We're that old. <laughs> but we're so young. <laughs> we're so young inside of our hearts. I know. My heart is so young. I know, I know. <laughs> so um okay let's start by just by like telling the story of like Allie and Allie. Okay, but I got to interject for okay, a go. second because I think I feel so young and I think even just sitting here, I don't feel 50, which is what I am. But I think because we've had such a long friendship and it began when we were kids, I still feel like every time we get together, we're still like 16. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I think that I think maybe keeps my youth as well. That's really true. Yeah. I mean, I have, there were some me's that didn't know you, but really the vast majority of me has, has known you and has been with you. And there's there is not, you know, when I was like reflecting on this, there's not a single thing in my life that you don't know about, right? Everything that is like, like in the inner, inner, inner chambers of me, like, you know, like, you know, the sum total of all of it. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tears already. So and you're the one. Like, yeah. What the hell? Like that's. Yeah. 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 No. And that's hundred percent true for me. Yeah. And I feel like because of that and because all those experiences that we've shared with one another over time, again, brings us back to when we were so young. Mm -hmm. So we literally have cataloged, you know, so many profound experiences that we've shared, but also picked apart and we organized for ourselves to figure out how to move a step forward, but we've been doing it for so long. And we started so young. So every time I'm with you, I just feel like I'm still really young. Okay. That's why. That's why we feel like that. that yeah. I think that's why. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm going to start with the story of how we met and then you just pick right up. So fifth grade, University of Liggett School. I had been there. I was a lifer. So I started at Liggett in kindergarten and fifth grade, Mrs. Fitzsimons. Mrs. Fitzsimons, right. I forgot her name. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so... In walks this little curly-haired blonde girl, and she's new with a perm. Mm -hmm. That's right, curly because perm. <laughs> yes, and she walks in, and so you were one of the you were one of the new kids this year. And so Mrs. Fitzsimons says, "Allie Hambright," because at the time I was Allie Hambright. She says, "Allie Hambright, you are in charge of whoever the heck it was. I was in charge of one of the new kids, not you." I don't remember who. That and was. I was kind of. I know. I wonder who it would have been. Yeah. Anyway, I was in charge of her for the day. Like mm -hmm. I was going to get her oriented to the school, and I felt. I mean, talk like that's a perfect job for me, right? Yeah, it is. It's actually <laughs> the best job ever. <laughs> and then you got assigned to somebody else. So we, but at some point that morning, we find each other. And we figure out that we are both Alexandras and we both go by Allie and we both spell it A-L-I and we were both born in July. Yep. And so we, I, I, I can, I can left remember. Oh, we were both left-handed. Yes. I knew the Both left-handed. Yes. My memory is that we were almost like defiant and we approached Mrs. Fitzsimons together and my memory is we basically told her there had been some kind of like a clerical error that clearly we were supposed to have been matched with each other because couldn't she 
couldn't you see? This is how it was supposed right, to Right, right. And I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. I don't remember all the specifics. I was probably really nervous mm-hmm. that first day. But yeah, absolutely. And it's never changed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's how it started. Yep. And mm-hmm. and we went through uh, middle school, high school. We both head off to University of Michigan together. I mean, those are some of my strongest memories. I don't know about you. I mean, I don't know, living with you that year. Also, you were falling in love mm-hmm. with your husband. So I got to spend really quality time with what became your lifelong partner. So I got to really put him under the microscope and kind of see what was going on for real. And um and yeah, we just, I think that was the first time we'd ever lived together. So it was like smooth. I don't think we ever fought. I don't, I don't even think there was in those times. I mean, Todd would sleep over, you know, we'd have, I mean, I don't know. It was just easy. So easy. Yeah. That's why I remember Forever. That also. It's just been that way. Well, I think the other thing we should layer in here is that by high school, we would do a thing. Like I remember it distinctly. I mean, we would just talk about the minutia oh. of our relational lives. Yeah. Really. By, yeah. by the time we were in high school, like that was yeah. solidly in foundation. Like yeah. I can picture myself sitting on the floor of your high school bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, talking. And so we, it was, it was, we were there for each other's first kisses, mm-hmm. first, you know, something, something more than a kiss. Like mm-hmm. we would just. How do we do that? Something, something. We, what, what, was, what was we the technique not, for this? We had no Google. <laughs> no, we had no Google. <laughs> Thank right. God. Uh-huh. That was like a very early foundation of our friendship was much more like. I'm sure there are friendships that kind of begin on like a sports team or a shared activity or a hobby. And I think the root of our friendship is conversation. And the root of it also stems from, I would say, safety and respect. Like I was thinking about that a lot. Like, I feel like I think you and I have always felt, I've felt incredibly safe in your presence from fifth grade. Like I just knew that I, you took me under your wing and I never felt uncomfortable. I felt like that's the best place to be. And I just never, I just never questioned whether or not I was protected or safe. So I think that's a huge, yeah, that's a huge thing for me. Yeah. And also just the reliability. I think we're incredibly devoted to one another. So if there was anything that we needed, it was like, okay, you know, phone call away. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just going to cry. <laughs> yeah. Like I have moments where I'm like gripped by this idea of like, what? Like, I don't, I don't know what I would do without yeah. you. That's like, it sounds right. like it's whatever. It sounds like it's. And I'm sure everyone out there has friends like this. Right. Yeah. But I think I was thinking about that a lot. Like, what is it about us? And I think, you know, I don't know if friendships talk about safety. I think many friends feel safe. I don't know if, if it's that's the right, even if that's the right word, but I think it's, um, yeah, I just never question my time with you and I'm always really sure about how it's going to feel, you know, and it has this real layer of trust and safety. Which makes us able to talk about damn near anything. That's right. That's what I was yeah. thinking about too. I remember yeah. that's one of the things that Todd, I mean, Todd had to get used to that, right? Todd, oh, yeah. Todd, right, too. <laughs> Todd had these <laughs> moments of being like, he, he will talk about it. Like the, there would be moments early on, like in college where you would say something to him that indicated oh, that God, there was, yes. you know, like that just like, he's like, he's like, okay, so what I know about dating Allie is that everything that happens between Allie and me goes to Allie. For me, that's that's safety is just knowing right. knowing that you can hear my stuff and hold my stuff, and then also it it means that I really had to choose a partner who wasn't going to say to me, or feel I don't threatened want you. by it. Yeah, yeah. And that would not that yeah. would have really been a no go. <laughs> I know. I think Brian, probably, my husband, probably figured that out pretty soon. But he also was very protective of what I would share, and I think I remember having a real an argument with him. Like, look, sorry, like if 
if this is threatening to you or this makes you uncomfortable, then we're going to have to, I mean, we're going to have to have a sort of conversation about that. Or you're going to have to tell me what I can't talk to Allie about, and then I'm going to have to fight you for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. I just think, uh-huh. yeah. Okay, so then then we write books within a very, so that yeah. we're like, we've got these kids that are growing up. Yeah. And then you started your journey mm-hmm. with Heirloom mm-hmm. before I started my journey with my first book. So your That so, was painful. That was painful and freaking beautiful. And I would love I would love for you to like connect how your like how your psychic gifts and your intuitive work that has always been like a parallel to your nursing work. Like mm-hmm. how did that go then into writing Heirloom, which is a book for preteen how, what do you say? Preteens? Or- I really don't know. Maybe that's why it doesn't sell any books. I don't know. Um, it's going to sell on the show. It's in the okay, show notes. Okay. Um, no, I think actually I just read it. I The final product was um, published in 2016, and I had not touched it or read it until just recently. Maybe I started reading it because I was going to be on here, but maybe I actually I don't think so. I think I finally got the call to open it up and read it again. And I guess even though it's a children's chapter book, I honest to God, I really feel it, like it's for adults. But it's for kids too. So I I got the idea of writing it in the 19, in the 90s. I think I was trying to retrieve my child self. And I thought if I, and I had a really creative idea and I figured out what could be done to get her. If I could have had these things in my life when I was younger, would my child self have stayed with me and could I have grown my child self up with me? And I had these ideas of what those tools would have been and then I just couldn't, I just, I had to write it. And you know me, I am the worst speller. I still don't know where to put a comma. And you gave me the shoots and ladders book or the oh, yeah. shoots, eats, eats, eats and, shoots and leaves <laughs> when I was writing it. Like I am, I don't read. I only listen to audibles. I don't care to write. I like poetry, but I can't, I can't sit down and do much of anything. I mean, I always have to be moving. So the idea to write a book was really, was in, like insane which is why it took 16 years to write it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? So even though we, you know, we produced books around the same time, I think I had about a 16 year lead. <laughs> that took me forever to read. In the end, so now as a 50 year old woman, having reread it, I get more of it. And I wrote it to return to myself and to figure out ways to get myself back to myself. And in writing it, I went through a very deep healing process. And because the part of me that had left was a very, very intuitive, curious, um, very psychic young girl who, and I'll probably start crying, who really didn't know what that meant or who to go to or how to have conversations that I was so lit up to have, but nobody got or wanted to have and no mentorship at at a young age. So I think writing it, yeah, just gave me an opportunity to take care of that myself. And then it was became an offering for any young child or any child, really, as they're growing up to tools to use to keep from evacuating their body at a young age to stay home. And to while this book is based on a young girl who's very intuitive, I think, you know, don't we all and when we're young, you know, we are 11. And all of a sudden, we see not only ourselves, but the world around us. And we think everyone's looking at us. And so we want to fit in. And so we drop everything we knew about ourselves and we exchange it for whatever it means to feel included. And um, certainly how I was feeling was not a majority feeling. And my senses were certainly not in the norm. And so I just didn't bring her forward. So yeah, so the book definitely um, 
is very into it talks about intuition and gifts but i think it's for any any adult who is looking to bring back their gifts from their childhood and thread them into their adulthood and i think if kids read it it's cute and all but i think you know there's just some a lot of meaning in there that um yeah, yeah. If, Did that answer the question? Oh my God, so so beautifully. It's okay. it's so fun. But I think similar to like you having not read the book in a while, I haven't heard you talk about your relationship with the book for a while. And so it's like, I'm hearing it all. I'm hearing it all again and I'm hearing it all a bit differently. But that was the point that I wanted to make as you were saying it is that is, yes, it's about for Indigo, the character of the book, her understanding of her psychic gifts, but it really is a really gentle look at how any, like if a kid is reading it, if like an 11 year old is reading it, it's for them to just find ways to celebrate what is it that makes stay me home. uniquely me? Stay here. Yeah, stay stay here. connected. Don't, yeah. One of the questions that had come in also was about like, how do we navigate best friendship and marriage? Mm-hmm. We're both in long-term marriages and like, what's, what's the, you know, what's the like interplay there between marriages and best friendship? Yeah. Would you, where would you, how would, would you I answer that? that? Oh God. I don't know. Very different. Just incredibly different. I feel like you're sort of from the roots of things, you know, like you're from my childhood. So there's just things that you get about me and you see things so much differently, I think, about me than even my husband probably does. So I think there's just a history that for me just is invaluable. That's not necessarily there with my husband, even though we've been married for 20, it'll be 23 years. Also, I'm not going to unpack like psychological curiosities or deep relationship threads or my own soul necessarily with him. He's there. Yeah. He was, he's a great listener, but like I said, he's not going to follow me to the end. He's not, he will, I will have lost him pretty soon after, not because he doesn't care, but just because he's hard to track with me. And then when at the end, there's not feedback. Uh-huh. So you and I were, We'll be like 10 minutes deep and we still haven't gotten to like the nubbin that we need to be commenting on. (laughs) And he just wouldn't, you know, it's just not, it's not in his wheelhouse, you know, but he, just as much as you've helped to shape, you know, help me come into shape and help me be the best version of myself. My husband does the same thing, but just like different, different angles. It's like one side's getting sanded over here on this one and the other part of my soul is getting sanded over here. It's like very... Very different. Very different. That's a really good point about, right, Todd, similarly, Todd is a yeah. really good listener, but Todd yeah. doesn't delight in the excavation I, of the yes. soul. He's like, you and I do. <laughs> we totally do. I mean, if we're not doing that, what are we doing? What are we even doing? What are we doing? What are, where are we going? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. right. So in that way, in that way, Todd, I know is, I mean, you, you spare Todd. <laughs> right. I figured we're doing them a service. <laughs> really, honestly. <laughs> I do think it's where sometimes, and uh-huh. I, mean, I don't know, I don't want to make a sweeping gender statement, but I yeah. think sometimes, all right, I'll make a sweeping gender statement. I think mm-hmm. if a woman is dissatisfied with her mm-hmm. husband, mm-hmm. that he won't whatever go deep or have these like emotional dialogues, mm-hmm. perhaps it is that she's projecting or importing a quality of a friendship mm-hmm. onto Mm-hmm. A romantic relationship. Yeah. And the thing I think because because you and I are each other's lives, I mean, I don't necessarily look to him for that, but I know I have a resource for that, right? Like an undying resource. So I don't always look to him for that. But yeah, if so, I don't lean on him for those kinds of things. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? Maybe you are sick of modern dating or wondering if the person that you're with is your person. Whatever your situation, I have the perfect podcast for you, Dateable. 
Dateable is your insider's look into modern dating, hosted by Julie Kraftchik and Yue Shu. Julie and Yue bring a sense of humor to their insightful explorations of all things dating, turning matches into actual dates, the psychology of relationships, red flags, attachment styles, and so much more. I am proud to have been a guest on their podcast three times. So if you're looking for a great starting point, check out my latest episode with them when you're ready and they're not. I'll put a link at the bottom of the show notes. Wherever you start, this podcast is going to help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. Subscribe to Dateable wherever you get your podcasts. Like one thing I've thought about in terms of somebody listening to this conversation, if somebody doesn't have their 10-year-old best friend with them in mm-hmm. their life, or if, that's, mm-hmm. if that friendship has, you know, mm-hmm. had its course, I don't think either of us would say you can't develop a deep, like, what would we want to say to somebody who like wants to create more depth in their friendship? And and we're saying, you and I are saying, I think that part of our depth is about history, but part of our depth is about quality of conversation, safety, accountability. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to have history, but like, what else, what would we want to say in terms of like how somebody, if somebody's feeling like I want to deepen a friendship that I'm in with somebody that I'm thinking I could go deeper with, what would we want to offer? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is you have to be fearless in your approach, I think, with that person. I mean, this would be my approach, which is probably why, I mean, I don't know if it's the right way, but I guess I would put the car, all the cards on the table because if they're not going to follow you along and, and flip all the cards with you, then they probably aren't the person you're going to want to have that kind of relationship with. So, But I think being fearless means you have to know what you want and know why you want it. So I think you have to know yourself well. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> I think you have uh-huh. to have... If you and I weren't as self-aware, I don't think we would have the depth of our relationship. And if, if you and I weren't willing to excavate like our entire souls, you know, like, I feel like we do that. Like, I feel like that creates the depth. So I think you have to be fearless in your request of your friend, but you also have to be fearless in, in the exploration of yourself. And that's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Yeah. It may be that somebody could become like... I think like you're saying, like put your card, put your own cards on the table and maybe that friend, maybe she's not the most self-aware critter right now, but as, as you model vulnerability, as you ask curious questions, like maybe she becomes that with you, right? So maybe don't, don't take a pass on somebody who does, maybe somebody who could grow with you as long as you're willing to model fearlessness, more courageous conversation, more like, Hey, I have something I want to run by you. Right. Well, I know even just now as an adult woman, you know, I have to, you know, my husband always sometimes says he's not interviewing new friends. He's like, I don't need, I don't need to interview for more friends. But I guess I'm always, um, you know, having moved to the Seattle area and having to start my entire life over with two young girls as my children. And I mean, totally new surroundings. I had to kind of make friends as an adult. And that was daunting to me, but I'm really particular about how I spend my time. And I failed many times when I put all the table, not very many people stayed with me. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, the, those that did are my friends now from the very beginning. So it's not like it's positive or negative. That person is positive or negative. If they stay or if they go, it's just, are we a match? You know, like, and I know that when I only put a few on the table, I'm not being mo- my most authentic self with them. And I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. And I don't like myself when I'm not. Mm-hmm. So 
I kind of would have an all or nothing approach, but it isn't an insult to the person. Yep. Yep. It's no yep. insult to the person. In fact, I'm freeing them from me. <laughs> One could look at it that way. <laughs> but um, I do. I mean, there's things that I'm looking for, but I know myself uh, fairly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think when you want deep connection, I think you got to start with yourself. I guess is what I'm saying. I think. Because you can't, what are you going to, I don't know. I do think that self-awareness, it's, it's why this show has, it's why this show, this, this podcast isn't for everybody, right? Because nothing, first of all, nothing's for everybody. And, and right, self, even like self-awareness, like talking about evolution, how, what's, why is this triggering me? Mm-hmm. What helped me understand this nubbin better than I do right now? That kind of conversation, that kind of connection, that kind of like use of time and space does not appeal to everybody. It's not where no, everybody lives. No, it does not. No, no, yeah. And thank and, goodness, because then we wouldn't have, I'm sure there's all kinds of... Yeah, whatever, people in our lives that, yeah, we don't always do that with. Interesting, in the book that I just finished, Heirloom, but I, in there, you know, Indigo is trying to make a new friend, but it, it doesn't go so well for her. And it was an interesting exploration for me to watch this character try to be friends with someone who wasn't in line with her. And she had to be really honest with herself. She put herself out there and it didn't go well. And, you know, how do you pivot from that? And what do you, I don't know. It was just interesting to read it from my 10-year-old point of view. And that now, as speaking as a woman who's 50, answering this question, is kind of interesting. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. I think our kids know really well. Like our 10-year-old selves, the friends we had when we were really little, like, I mean, mm-hmm. they're spot on. They put it on the table. They're not wondering if they should say it. They always just say it, right? <laughs> like if you're six, uh-huh. your friends are your six-year-old friends. You're not monitoring what you do and what you say. Hmm. And you're being truly who you are. So hmm. this thing we do as adults, I think it's a little crazy. I mean, I think our kids selves are like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're all just trying to get back there in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would we do when we were six? How would we have been getting friends? We would never, we'd be fearless. That's a really interesting idea to yeah. make friends as if you're right. Make friends as if you haven't forgotten who you truly mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Mm. This is like just one thread that I want to, put in, which is, we haven't done it for a while, but there have been, I don't know, five or six times over the years where I've like hosted you for an event, you know, like I've had, so I've, you know, teach at Northwestern in this, like for a long time, I taught in the marriage and family therapy program. It's highly scientific, you know, conceptual kind of rigorous training program. And we We've done these events where we like. Remember the one time we went to like the Hillel, like the Jewish Student Center. Yes. We had yeah, everyone the bring. Shamanic journey. Yep. Yes. So we've done. You have. I've gathered together like colleague, you know, therapist colleagues, mm-hmm. graduate students, mm-hmm. and you have led shamanic journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, what have we done like just like like we talked about intuition with some students at your house. Talked about intuition. Yeah. We talked about love. Um, like mm-hmm. a kind of a spiritual, like a soul-based well, that's take right. on. We, we all read um, mm-hmm. Thomas Soulmates. Moore's Soulmates. Yep. You're such a gifted teacher, and mm-hmm. and I love it. And I and you always get really nervous before, <laughs> and, and then it's so beautiful. And you make these beautiful, like beautiful experiences. And I love those because it also, like, there's I think there's a part of me that sometimes like feels guilty that I have like the like I really objectively believe that I have like the best best friend. And so there's times I feel like almost guilty, like keeping you to myself. And so those events are just times where I feel like, okay, so everyone should get to have, everyone should have a, get to have a chance to be near you and near your gifts and near your teaching and near your wisdom. And those are like really precious memories for me. Those times we've done those events and that you have 
been like, are you fucking kidding me? Okay, fine. I'm a yes. And there's so like, I, I can flash on different insights that I have gained. Like the one at the Hillel where we brought, we, Allie had us bring stones and it was just really, really powerful. Like I still hold those insights today. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Every, yeah, that's not in my nature. That's hundred percent sure. And I, hats off to you for getting me out because yeah, if I had to do it myself, I mean, the readings that I do are all from home. You know, I'm very, like I said, I'm very protective of my time, but one might also say, well, maybe I'm just too scared to get out there. But I think when you've asked, it's kind of a combination, I think, Mm -hmm. but every time you've ever asked me to go and I say, yes, at the end, I'm so, I'm not only a relieved to be done, but B (laughs) just like, holy shit, we just did that, you know? And it's just been a, you inspired me to get out there and the end result was always positive. And so I have you a hundred percent to thank for that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, I guess I'm always like, I'm a doubles player though, too. Like Brian was saying this, uh, my husband, he's very much a singles player. So when he does a project, he's very much does it alone, but I definitely like to collaborate and I like to do like this, you know, or where we're doing something together, even though some of those events, like maybe I was having to lead it. Just the fact that I knew that you were backing me up gave me the, gave like the wind at my back a little bit to just kind of go. I would much rather do something collaborative than alone. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such good memories. Okay. Yeah. And then you, you just mentioned your intuitive counseling. So can you just like talk, talk us through just because it's so, it's so fascinating and so important Mm -hmm. and so valuable. Like, can you just give us a sense of like, what if somebody, if somebody were to be like, Hey, Allie, will you do an intuitive reading for me or with me? What would, mm-hmm. just talk us. Talk. Uh, yeah. So if someone wants an intuitive reading, I asked, you know, do you, have you, do you know about my work or what do you know about me? And oftentimes, you know, I do a lot of work that are referrals from people who've had readings. So I really like that. Mind looking at the website? Because <laughs> I don't know how to explain to you necessarily <laughs> what I'm what doing. Um But yeah, a reading is I'll ask the client to have up to three questions and I spend about three hours per reading. One hour is going into meditation with the three questions from the client and then just writing down everything I see, hear and feel and know when I ask those questions. And I have a very, um, very specific spiritual hygiene and a routine that I go through prior to um, opening myself up to the forces around me. And I just create a script and it's pages long. And then we schedule an appointment for two hours to talk um, about that reading and we do it over the phone. And that's how I've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. I'd ask you if I could reference Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and Glenn Doyle, but I heard them do a podcast recently. Sarah Bareilles is the singer, songwriter, and she was revealing how she went recently, she had just gotten on antidepressants and she was also going to be good in songwriting. And she was afraid that if she went and wrote songs that nothing would come hmm. or would it come in differently or how would it arrive and just the hmm. nervousness that, that there is. And that's how I feel every single time I do a reading. Really? Like, yeah, every single time. And it was listening to them talk made me realize that what are readings? Like, what the hell is really going on here? I still, I mean, to this day, I mean, every time I sit down to do a reading, I'm pretty damn sure nothing's going to come. Uh-huh. You know, and what in the hell am I doing? Because uh-huh. it's literally creating something out of absolute yeah. nothing. Yeah. But on the complete other side of that, we're surrounded by everything. Yeah. 
So it's like, how is it? It's already constructed. It's already present. So like, it's the both end of nothing and everything. Yeah. And so when I sit in for a reading, I, I am so scared, like every single time. Oh. And even she says, you know, when she goes to write something or she's so nervous all the time. Yeah. And that was, that was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, readings in general or specifically what I'm doing, and I don't know if every intuitive feels like this. I mean, I, we're all very original. I think something is literally being created by the connection of myself and a client. And it is on real time. It is in the absolute present moment. Yeah. And there is nothing that arrives that I could have ever known prior. Mm-hmm. And it is out of nowhere. So it astonishes me. So it's kind of like a song, you know, that Sarah yeah. is writing or something. It's like a, it's, it's being created. It's what we're done planet earth to do is create. And I'm creating yeah. together with this person again, collaborating, not on my own forces unbeknownst to me. I am literally just a scribe writing things down um, from wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it speaks to a, the gifts that you came into this world with, and then B, the way in which you have really like honed them over the years that you, right. So if we were to watch you, we were, wa- we were watching you sitting in your home and writing and, and you are at the same time that your body is sitting in your home, you are deeply open to this person to and the- all of their matrix mm-hmm. specific to them. Mm-hmm. What, um, just as so somebody, somebody has a stand, like what's an example of a question that somebody might have you ask? Um, if somebody, somebody might, a client would give you, what's a sample of a question a client would give you yeah. that you would then take with you into the, yeah. into the reading? Well, um, before anybody sees me, I hope that they read. I'm not like a psychic, like, am I going to meet my partner? I think the readings that I am called to do are very um, deep and soulful and they get at the utter root. I mean, it's kind of like our friendship, but we literally, we're going to smash some things and we're going to uncover some things. And so if you want to know if you're going to get a job in two weeks, that wouldn't be a question for me. We're, we're going to try to, you know, break a pattern that's been going on for lineages. That's the work that we're going to do. So I try to make sure people understand that and that make sure that we're the right fit. But a basic question, one of the best questions is, what do you need to know for your highest good? Because oftentimes we are so, perse- we're perseverating on a problem. We're so, pan- we're so like zoomed in that the bigger picture is what needs to be added to the mix to get a better understanding. or we have to go in a complete different direction. So if someone says what I need to know for my highest good, we've just opened up so many more territories to look at Mm -hmm. versus if they say, you know, something more specific, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite questions. What do you need to know for your highest good? Or what do I need to know about my career path? Something that doesn't cut the legs off before you start running, you know, and I think a lot of a lot of times we just think we know what questions to ask when our higher selves, our wise selves that we don't always listen to would probably ask a much different question. Something that I have in my life that I would not have without you in my life are I have a set of Oracle cards mm-hmm. that I love, right? So I, you know, I'm like as comfortable looking for, you know, a research article on like, you know, Northwestern's database as I am like picking up my Oracle cards and like asking a question. And so I asked, you know, I, I love that. I have a beautiful deck that we can like link in the show notes. And that was, that's the question that I, like, it will be, what do I need to know for my highest good about, and I did it for like, what do I need to know for my highest good about this conversation that, you know, you and I oh, are going to have. What did, so it I say? did it yesterday. what did it say? I pulled the goblin, the little, which is oh, like yeah. about like bruised, fragile human ego. Even though I know that I won't get to live the way that you live because I don't, I don't have the gifts that you have and I haven't, and so therefore there's nothing to hone in the way that you've honed, mm-hmm. I get to have a little, like I give myself permission to have 
lots of ways of knowing, right? Lots of ways of knowing, lots of ways of feeling support. Like I oftentimes will, when I sit down with my Oracle cards, with my question, I will like imagine like the spirit of my dad and my guides, like just sort of imagining the ways in which I'm supported in this life by forces that I can't see. And so it's just like a very, like a really simple practice in my life that gives me a ton of comfort and I love it. And I rely on it pretty regularly, but it's something that wouldn't be in my world without our friendship, you know? Well, I think that's where self-awareness arises though, too. Like if we're not opening up to the whisper inside of us, I mean, that's one of the main directives into like, what is your true North? Like you're listening in. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's what intuition is too, or, you know, like, are you giving the knowing part of you enough? Like, have you turned the volume up high enough? you know, to where, you know, and so I think sometimes cards like get us to ask those questions and they get us to let go of our mind. We get, we kind of give it over to something bigger, right? So then when we let go of what the brain is telling us and we like open, you know, sounds corny to the heart, but just the higher self, just something so much bigger knowing those those cards kind of give us the chance to just let go. Yes. Let something else in. Let let that wiser self uh, in or whatever. Versus like, right, versus the ego. Yeah. <laughs> or the yeah. part, right, the, the mm-hmm. ego or the wounded part or mm-hmm. the scared part or the controlling part. Yeah, right. Just, yeah, knocks everyone off, off the deck a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is, this is one of the questions that came in. Somebody wanted to know how we navigate differences in values between us. I don't know that we have anything... I, to me, I don't know. I think we've talked about we value different. We value different ways of spending time. We value, but I don't know that I feel like I have a difference in values. I'm really actually kind Mm-mm. of grateful for that. I think no, not values. We have different personalities. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a little bit more. I don't know. How would you say? I think we have different personalities, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we don't have different values. Mm-hmm. Okay, my dear. Well, so we are, I think we're coming into the home stretch, even though, well, the thing I love is that we, as I say, even though I could talk to you all day, but here's the thing, I'm about to talk to you all day. We're going to shut this down and then go and keep on talking. Yeah, we are. Let's reflect a bit on, you know, I think one of the things that stands out about friendship is that it is, think of all of our relationships. Friendship is the most like at will arrangement. You know what I mean? Like versus a marriage versus coworker relationship right. versus sibling relationship. Like mm-hmm. friendship is completely at will. Like there has to, if the foot is not on the accelerator, right? If there's not energy being put in, it will fade. There's nothing, there's, there's right. nothing keeping it going. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we could think about a couple of um, just offerings about, you know, what stands out about like, how do we, how do we keep friendship going when we've established that there's somebody who's of value how do we keep it going right and don't you think it's a, is it different now than it used to be i don't know with social not with social media but just all the ways we can connect with one another are there more richer ways to connect than others mm, that's you a good know question. i think a lot about that but to answer your question i mean i know i can speak about myself and that i do value like phone calls mm-hmm. versus texts okay mm-hmm. um you know those things if I can't have a relationship that I could call someone on the phone with, I'm wondering about the value it holds for each of us, you know, and mm-hmm. is the gas, so I don't know, calling, talking, like literally talking on the phone and not being just a texting relationship. Oof. That's, I think, a really, that's really huge. good point. And maybe yeah. also, I think that's a really good point for 
younger people who are listening, because I think as you were saying, like there are so many channels for connection. Like I think a lot, this comes up a lot when I'm teaching at Northwestern, like students who are about to transition out of college. I think there is like a panic of how am I going to keep these friendships going when we're not living on the same block, you know, going to classes together. And I think that's such a good point is we're so used to doing communication on our phone, but, but knowing something that is intuitive, which is that there's, there are different qualities of, of, of connection and of conversation. And so maybe even if you are a young person who's did not grow up doing phone calls or valuing phone calls, no, like just trying. There that. is like, something, sh- about, something that. about that. And I know my own daughters who are, you know, in their, their adults now, I mean, they, to get on the phone is very nerve wracking for them. So maybe what I'm saying is completely irrelevant. I'm 50. I don't know. But I do know that if I'm finding a relationship that I really want to invest in, feeling called to invest in, I'm calling on the phone, trying to have a connect on the phone, but I'm also making a dinner date to go out. Like, And I'll be relentless in doing that until I'm not getting the same energy back. And I think one of the things is just kind of being fearless with it. You know, I mean, to not hold part of yourself back just to get a friend, I mean, or just to make a connection. Life is short. Uh-huh. So for me, sometimes less is more. So a few very, very deep, close friends to me means a lot more to me than mm. a lot of people I could text. Yeah. So yeah. those are some of the things that I think about. I think those are really good. I wonder about also, I, I think maybe because friendship is so at will, I think I, I think there's a whole subset of friendships that end because of a tear, like because of a breach, because of a rift, because of a conflict, because of a missed opportunity for connection. And so maybe one thing I would want to like whisper in somebody's ear is to, is to if, if there's value there and then there's rift, like you can repair, like practice, like this is like bring relational self-awareness to the friendship and around repair of the friendship, right? Like there are like be willing to. This is what I'm responsible for. This is what I maybe, yeah. Can we, can we talk about what happened? Can we just, can we talk about it together? So I think Mm -hmm. maybe there's maybe because it, because friendship feels so chosen, then maybe the fear is that if something's happened, we can't repair it because you chose me, but now I disappointed you. So I guess we're done. And I, and I wonder if there's, if, if one of the messages needs to be about the value of repair and friendship, because whatever, whatever courage you bring to a repair and a friendship you get like you get that experience. You get the chance to witness yourself being courageous of saying, "Hey, I think I hurt your feelings. Can we talk about it?" Even if the friendship isn't able to continue, even if there isn't able to be a repair, you still had that experience. Like you get that notch of like you witnessed yourself yeah, and being they have a brave model and making for that an effort. As well, you became a model. You know that gives that other person, like you said, permission to do the same. Yeah, I think friend. I don't know. Maybe friendships. I don't. Know, are they different these days than when we grew up? I don't. Know. That's a whole other topic. Like, I don't, you know, there's a lot, are there a lot more acquaintances? Are there, what are friendships like? I don't know if age matters or if when you're older, you value different, I don't know. Right. Lots of questions about friendship. Well, right. Because when we were 24 and doing friendship, we were doing that at that moment in time, right? We didn't, it was pre, that was still pre smartphones. Like we had a long, 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 we had decades of our friendship before Mm -hmm. we ever could text each other. So I think it, it probably is different. But the thing we know, I mean, I think we can say that there's still a value of seeing and being seen. Yeah. And what I was going to say too is I think the thing that is we're also talking about here, when we say that we feel safe with one another, we're saying that because we feel safe, we're willing to be deeply vulnerable. And I think that that's what 
friendships mm. do is they they allow us to be vulnerable to someone and like show our true selves. And if that person returns and says, I still want to hang out with you, now I've got a friend. So I think that the way that vulnerability plays into reaching out to people when you're vulnerable, you allow someone else to be vulnerable and just not being afraid to, again, put everything on the table. If if you've got 12 cards versus two, put all 12 out. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you're vulnerable. Someone might not like all 12, but at least you tried. And, you know, so I would just say the vulnerability that's required to create a deep friendship while it's scary, it's damn well worth it. That's right. So if we're, even though we're saying that friendship is so chosen, the vulnerability is becomes the glue, right? That becomes the thing that's, that can be, I think that's a, that's a really solid foundation on which to build a friendship because it keeps you, it like, yes, it's hard to keep friendship going and it takes energy and effort, but then the vulnerability and the safety is the reward for the effort, right? right. You get, you get to be in the space where you just get to exhale. And I think especially for young, you know, for young people where there is, like, I think we hear this with our own kids and my students, like, for young people, there's so much pressure to have a particular image. Like social media has just really affected how like sense of self and not necessarily in all negative ways, but just it's that much more important that you get to have some spaces where you just can drop the filter, you can drop the mask, you can drop the image and you can just like exhale as if you're six, as if you're 10, like you get to have that feeling again in a friendship when you have put in the effort for it. You get to have these spaces where you're just like, oh, okay, fine. Like, and you I'm, take the risk. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, boy, I don't know. I feel like my daughters are afraid to take the risk sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, not always. And I'm not, I'm not calling out my daughter specifically, but what I hear them say is, oh, I don't you know to be put myself out there or to reach out or yes. to phone, call somebody. What are we going to say? Right. Like, right. That's the point. Like, that's the point. I don't know. You don't, you don't know. it's okay if you don't know, but. You got to be, you have to stick in there and get past it, go over the threshold and see what happens. Yeah. Pretty universal and incredibly understandable. Mm-hmm. Conversation is a long time and conversation is in real time, right? You can't, True. you can't look at it. You can't mm-hmm. take it, you know, you can't like with a text, right? I can type up a text and show it to you before I hit send, or I yeah. can type a post and what but conversation is in real yeah. time, whether it's on the phone or face to face, it's in real time. And so it is really like just that the nature of it in and of itself is vulnerable because you can't mm-hmm. second guess or analyze it before you say it. You just have to be, it's what's like the first date also is also really hard because you're not, you're out from behind your screen. Well, did we do it? I adore you. I adore you. I adore you. Thank you for getting me out here. I was very nervous to begin, but like <laughs> always, Come on, do this. Let's Come on. Go. We can do it. Come be on my <laughs> show. Right. We can. Come be on my show. I'm so <laughs> glad that we so did it. Thank you so much for oh. having me. Thanks Thank for pushing me to do this. I appreciate it. You didn't push me. I was all the way in, but would I have been here without you? No, never. Mm-hmm. Would I have flown to Chicago today? No, Mm-mm. I wouldn't have without you. So thank you. Thank you, Allie, for coming to Chicago so that we could be together for this conversation. I'm so proud of what we have built over the years, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share our love story on Reimagining Love. And to you, Reimagining Love listener, I hope this conversation offered you insights into how friendships can support and bolster intimate relationships. I hope this conversation gave you the opportunity to reflect also on the role of friendship in your own life. So until next time, be well.
Thank you for listening to our show. Our producer is Elizabeth Vogt. Our editors are Mary Chan and Danelle Cloutier of Organized Sound Productions. Our theme music was composed by Slade Warnkin. Reimagining Love is executive produced by me, Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Do you have a relationship question that you want to have answered on the show? Follow the link in the show notes of this episode to send in a written or audio question. Questions can be about intimate partnerships, family relationships, friendships, you name it. I can't wait to hear from you.